It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Sally, one day you will have a beast. You'll find your beast. He's out there. And hopefully he'll kidnap you and hold you prisoner. Yeah. I think I've had some before. All right. What do you have uh, going on news-wise? Oh, yes, yes. You let a beast get away. Yes. Am I okay now? Is this good now? It's so good. All right. Okay. Um, You've seen April the giraffe, right? You've seen this giraffe that's pregnant that everybody's watching. No. I saw the giraffe. I didn't know her name Uh, was April. Yeah, her name is April. It's at a zoo in Harpersville, New York. Is that where Antonio Cromartie lives? I I don't know. But anyway, she's still pregnant. And now she's being sponsored. Her pregnancy is being sponsored by Toys R Us. (laughs) (laughs) Are you serious? No. I mean, yes. No, I'm not serious. Yes, I am serious. It's a real-life pinata? Millions around the world have watched the live stream of the giraffe just standing there with a big belly. Um, this was put up weeks ago by the keepers who said the birth was going to take place any day now. Uh, the gestation for giraffes is 15 months. Uh, the stream oh, that's was a long pre- time. Yeah, yeah, it is. Elephants, it's 22. So that's. Oh, wow. Yeah, you carry a baby for that long. The stream was previously brought. But I mean, to- uh, couldn't every female elephant be on that show? I didn't know I was pregnant. I mean, how can you tell? <laughs> Actually, you eventually can. Okay. And when it comes out, there's a lot. Stuff that comes out, you know. <laughs> anyway, anyway, but uh, the con- they had the, the 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 sponsor was Missouri, an animal nutrition company, but the contract ran out because she hadn't had the baby. So Toys R Us stepped in and saved the day. As of Wednesday, the Toys R Us giraffe mascot Jeffrey is up on the screen, greeting viewers who are still waiting. Everyone's trying to make money off of everything. Is is that won't that uh, be awful if she has a stillbirth? Can you imagine oh. that? Well, oh, it could happen. She's in captivity. Well, at least it's... it'll be sponsored by Toys R Us. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, okay, all right. I wouldn't be a Toys R Us. Oh, <laughs> have you guys? Oh my god. Okay, have you guys? Oh ever... my god. What we have on our hands here is a dead giraffe. <laughs> no, that's all. I shouldn't have said that, but it's possible. And a lot I mean, of goop. Can you imagine the children who are watching and, and, and then... Think of the children. Hey, what about the Hayes Bald Eagle thing? You know, you got a camera on them. I know, I know. Is what? that an invasion of privacy? I know. How do you feel about that, conservation lady? Yeah. What well, if April could talk? Would she say, hey, everybody, get the hell out of my face? I know, I know. I, it's true. You're going to see things you may not want to see. So, wasn't there a, a, a raccoon or something that tried to get into the Hayes Bald Eagle nest that one time? Yes. And it got one of the eggs? Yeah, it it, it happens, yeah. So, so I well, it's, it's, it teaches a lesson. And then didn't the don't Hayes... Live, don't, live in a, don't live in a tree. <laughs> don't live in a tree, yeah. But anyway. Didn't the Hayes Bald Eagle nest get uh, blown away well, by a was, storm? It was, I but think they, it did. They rebuilt it, right? But yeah. Mm. They're pretty, they're pretty uh, inventive. Did anyway. Giant Eagle sponsor it? Oh, that was no. Never mind. I was going to say that was so funny. Giant eagle, get it? I thought that was funny. I'm not supposed to say. The you could just are laugh. Funny. I mean, it's I okay. can. I like. I like uh, it's when kind people. Of, do you know what? It's kind of like my verbal exclamation mm-hmm. point. 
Okay. I think keep going. Please He's getting, never ir- come to a comedy He's show. getting irritated with me today. <laughs> I know. But listen, I only got four hours sleep. Have you ever thought about what it's like to survive in the wild? Could you do that? Yes. You know, the, like, and like, no. What is it, man versus wild? Well, anyway, a Texas woman is okay after spending five days stranded in a remote Arizona wilderness. Yes, you can guess she was on the south rim of the Grand Canyon and she ran out of gas. She didn't have a phone signal, but she used her car battery to keep her phone charged. She rationed her food and water, and then she started walking and walking and walking. Uh, She managed to make contact at one point, but the signal faded. Finally, a helicopter found her vehicle and the note that she left on it. And officers said that they were surprised she was in such good shape and credited her survival instincts. Would you stay with your car or would you start walking? I definitely wouldn't start walking. I couldn't make it. I couldn't survive in Frick Park for half a day. There was a story. I was going to get to it yesterday, and we never did. Um, There's a book out now about that guy that lived in the woods in Maine for 30 years without seeing another human being. A real-life hermit. Yes, but he he didn't. It wasn't like an end-of-the-wild situation where he was someone who was capable of living off the land. All he did was he found an abandoned cabin and warmed it up enough so that he could live there year-round. And he just stole food from other cabins. It's For 30 years? 30 years! Don't you think they <laughs> have some mental health problems? Yes, Allie, yeah. I think there's a good, mm-hmm. uh, good chance of that. Good chance he might not have all the uh, marbles, uh, you know, in the uh, little uh, brain. Guy's been stealing Doritos for thirty years. Yeah, and there was all of these reports of petty theft through the years, and like all the like the small towns and Maine sheriffs are just kind of right. like, I just can't understand. You know, there must be some kleptomaniac bears out here or something. Who the hell took my Fruit Loops? Meanwhile, the guy's mom was such a sort of uh, you know live free or die kind of lady. She refused to ever report him missing. She's so sort of uh, uh, into personal liberties and things like that. You know, that was so, such a part of her ideology that she was like, no, you know, whatever he's doing, I'm sure he's fine. <laughs> she was... never saw him during that period? No, he never talked to another human. Oh. 30 years. Oh. 30 years. And he would uh, he, he he would say, like, yeah, I wasn't a big reader. So he would take, like, magazines. He would, like, steal magazines and stuff and find them in the garbage. And then he created insulation with magazines. In in his uh, well, like, wait. Well, so how did they find out? How did they find him? Or how did eventually he got caught like stealing a pie off a windowsill or something? Like a bear. They <laughs> are stealing like pies. a bear. Yeah, yes, they do. Do they really? Anyhow, well, I mean the Berenstein Bears. Who are we? But talking it was about? more of like a story of like escapism. <laughs> I think everybody, and that's why Into the Wild was so. Uh, not relatable, but people yeah. were drawn to the story because yeah. everybody has this fantasy of escaping like it might be a small one but every once in a while you're like oh my god i would love to just go what if i sold all my worldly possessions yeah hitchhiked across the country and went into alaska or where did he end up he was in alaska but he was he was not nearly as prepared as he thought he was i mean the story ultimately gets romanticized but when you look at it from um, Did you see the movie? Yeah, I, th- yeah, I thought it was beautiful. It was excellent. The, the book s- is unbelievable. And, yeah, it, well, it, was crack- it was Krakauer. Right? It was, yeah. In, yeah. yeah. Chris yeah. McCandless, I believe, was his name. I was kind of always 
not obsessed, but I was always drawn to that story because I think that it just said so much that that was a bestseller and everybody was so riveted with the, the idea that this guy who had all of the advantages of life, you know, m- upper middle class family, went to what, Emory University? It's not an inexpensive school in Atlanta. I went there for a year. Did you really? Mm-hmm. Yep. Freshman year. And then you went and lived in the woods? <laughs> <laughs> no, but he didn't know as much as he thought he knew, and he was eating the wrong stuff, and he ate poison berries, and he made himself re- sicker every day. We well, had and, that and field he, guide. Yeah, I remember that. Now, but that Emil, abandoned Emil, bus Emil... that he lived in became a destination for hikers and people who were so enamored with the story oh, that yeah. wildlife officials in Alaska have had to stop people from going there. Like, they tried to remove the, and they may have, by this point, removed the bus. Didn't Emil Hirsch play him in the movie? Yeah. yeah. He should have been nominated for an Oscar. I yeah. thought it was. He's a, a, a brilliant actor. I thought he Troubled was. Troubled dude, a great... but a brilliant oh, actor. Oh, he's trouble? Yeah, who isn't? <laughs> I don't mean to laugh, and that's true. Yeah. We but, certainly all are. But isn't that an American thing? Like, you know, this kid finds this school bus, lives in it, you know, whatever. His, his story ends tragically, but now they have to physically tell people to stop coming there because they probably littered the whole trail. Yeah. Trashed the bus. I mean, they're 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 in the process of removing trash from Mount Everest because Mount Everest is turning into a dumpster. Well, do you know what a lot of the trash is on Mount yeah. Everest? Yeah, oxygen tanks. No. Dead bodies. Bodies. Yeah, those. You don't take them down. You can't. You just leave them. What else you got? Oh, yeah, okay. So, um... We're really hitting some very uplifting storylines today. Well, that, no, I, I thought that was great. She survived, and you told a story about not surviving. And so I, I thought that worked out well. Okay. It was a nice segue. Okay. Nice balance. This is weird habits. Do you have weird habits? No. Do you have weird habits? Totally yeah. normal. Yep. Okay. Um, um, Don't ask me. <laughs> I Yeah, I have... Okay, when you leave a store without buying anything, do you get worried they'll think you're shoplifting? Sometimes, yeah. 75% of people in this survey said yes. But then even when I buy something, the alarm goes off. <laughs> and I get nervous. I had, a, I had a husband who got upset because we went into a store and looked and didn't buy something. And then when we came out, he burned me with his cigarette. I think there was more problems than just <laughs> his serious. weird habits. This sounds like the beginning of a Lifetime movie. Yeah. <laughs> No. Did you light his bed on fire later? No, he didn't mean to, but he had it in his hand, and I took his hand. It was on our honeymoon, and he had the cigarette in the hand, and it burned me. So I am exaggerating a little bit. Okay. okay. All right, let's go. That, that was my not shopping story. When you write the word Wednesday, do you sound it out in your head as yes. Wednesday? I do. I do, too. Wednesday. I do the same thing with February. Yeah, exactly. Yes, I do, too. 85% people do that. Do you pace around and fidget? What about Connecticut? Connecticut. Yeah, I do Connecticut. I don't even bother with Connecticut. <laughs> well, you're I gonna... just go CT. Uh, that's, you know, that, that has helped, but, but you need to exercise your mind. You do. Not that you have been told that. Not that you haven't done it already. Bill, okay, talk do you. you pace around and fidget with stuff while you're on your phone? Yeah. 78% yes. said yes. Um, do you ever respond to your pet by saying, I know, after they bark or meow? Uh, yeah, that doesn't make you weird. No, it doesn't. Okay, 83%. Uh, yeah, these are eight, <laughs> 83%. Every single Everything question is like 89%. Uh, you know, this is really makes you weird. Mostly everybody does this. 99%. Okay, do you cringe when you hear a recording of your own voice? You Yes. No, not anymore. Oh, Once God, you've been in yes. this business. I used to. Yeah, you, you, but now when you're I've in I've learned the... to hate it and just move hate, on. You hate your voice? No, uh, 
I don't care. Okay. I definitely do. That's it. I'm an utter failure today, but that's okay. No. You're not. You're not an I'm utter done. failure. I'm done. At all. Sally Wiggin, <laughs> uh, once again, great work last night on uh, Chronicles. On uh, Chronicle. State of Addiction. State of Addiction, which is an important thing for people to uh, to know about here in Western Pennsylvania. And uh, with the epidemic in West Virginia, you know, it's, it's a rough. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Territory that we are uh, traversing. It's a na- it actually, I mean, we have a lot, but it's, a, it's become a national epidemic. It used to just be an inner city problem, but now it's made its way into suburbia and everywhere. Yeah, it, it it actually after the '60s and '70s, you never heard of heroin anymore. It's 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 like we said yesterday. It's it it was uh, the starting point was opioid prescription opioids pain pills, mm-hmm. and uh, us thinking that it wasn't addicting. Yeah, it is. So anyway. how can people see it if they want to see it again? Ah, it's a uh, Saturday night uh, on WTAE from seven to eight. Uh, they can go online, WTA.com. It is online uh, under the Chronicle Great. heading. And it's on This TV Pittsburgh uh, on Saturday, I think, from 10 to 11, and on Sunday from 9 to 10. I Good actually deal. remembered that. I'm so happy. Well done. Well done. We got one minute yeah, really to good. wait. Paul Schaefer is going to be joining us uh, momentarily here on the DV Morning Show. He's going to be appearing at the Palace Theater in Greensburg April 2nd. Go to palacetheater.org for tickets and info. Palace is doing big things. Oh, yeah. I was Lisa Lampanelli, such Paul Schaefer. a nerd kid when it came to Late Night with David Letterman. We had like one of those double-tiered VCRs. It, it was two components, like the original one. Wow, that's fancy. Yeah. And I used to set the timer for Letterman, and I would watch it. When I got home from school and became obsessed with it. And so did my brothers and sisters. And that was like our after school viewing then when we were, you know, nine and ten years old was watching Late Night with David Letterman. So I've so been smart. a disciple for so long. And uh, that's why I'm honored to, to welcome our next guest, Paul Schaefer, to the DVE Morning Show. Good morning, Paul. How are you? Well, good morning. Am I ever uh, happy to be here? What an introduction. Well, well, I'm a huge fan, and I've been for so long, and uh, uh, I, I remember the, the, the sort of early days of the David Letterman show, and you you know, you know, went from Godspell to SNL, and then as the band leader of David Letterman, Late Night with David Letterman. How did that transpire? How did you go from SNL, the Blues Brothers, to David Letterman? Well, of course, SNL, um, you know, there were a bunch of Canadians uh, who came down to to start it out? Lauren Michaels, uh, producer. Howard Shore was his was his musical director. Howard, a big uh, movie uh, yeah. writer now, scoring right. guy. Howard, uh, I had just met Howard before I left Toronto, and he needed a piano player. I was already in town, so I got that job, and I was on SNL. 
uh, I already knew um, Belushi and uh, from from being introduced around to him when I first got to town. I knew Aqua and I knew Gilda, of course, from Rosfell, the show in Toronto. And uh, it was uh, kind of a natural thing for me to start writing with them, writing uh, uh, musical material for them to do. Uh, the Blues Brothers kind of grew out of that. A right. thing that uh, John and Danny used to do to warm up the audience, put on those hats and shades and sing the blues. And right. and they got a record deal, and, uh, you know, there I was. So they hired me to help put the band together. And you wrote all of those uh, um, lounge singer uh, sketches with Bill Murray. Well, I, used, I was a, a member of a team of, I don't know, about five different writers. Billy Ackroyd would be in on it, Marilyn Suzanne Miller. Tom Davis and myself. Oh, the great Tom Davis. Uh, we, yes. Uh, he wrote one Literally. of my... His autobiography is ne- is, a, is a necessary uh, uh, read for any comedy fan. Interesting, isn't it? I read it, too. I loved it. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, we used to put those those sketches together. And actually, when, when uh, I got the call after uh, the first five years of SNL, everybody left, and I did, too. And uh, a couple of years went by, and then Dave Letterman was starting up his show. And I got a call to go and have a meeting with him. And he said, I always loved those things you did with Bill Murray, uh, the lounge singer things, you know. So that that kind of led to uh, Dave noticing me on SNL and hiring me. And then Bill was the first guest on the Dave Letterman show. He was the first guest, the very first guest. Then he was the first guest um, when we hit at CBS mm-hmm. as well. And uh, So he, yes. So you had this established sort of persona and link between comedy and music. So it made sense that you would be the late night with David Letterman band leader. But there was a distinct departure from tradition in the late night band. It wasn't Doc Severinsen. You guys were playing Stax Records tunes going in and out of commercials and stuff. Uh, Was that the conscious decision from the get-go or was that your input? I guess it was just time, you know. Um... The Saturday Night Live band was a contemporary band, too, but it had horns, and we were doing R&B, but our own, you know, people were writing for it. Right. I was the first guy to say, I don't, you know, I'm so lazy, I don't even care about the, the you know, the $200 that you could get for putting your own tune in. I'd rather play Smokey Robinson songs and all the stuff that I love, you know. So I, I guess I did break ground in that in that area. Let's just play stuff that we love. And all our favorite songs. But, and it happened to be time, you know, yeah. time for a rock band. It, 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 Severinsen's band was the best uh, in the big band jazz era, you know, and it was just time. The music had changed, you know. Yeah. So, I, again, right place at the right time. And what a group of musicians you put together there for that first band. I mean, not only did that help sort of uh, codify the identity of that show, but you had Steve Jordan playing drums with a, a he had a, a baseball glove on, on his right hand. It was Hiram Bullock yeah. was in that band as well, right? The late great Hiram, yeah, no longer with us. Yeah, Hiram and Steve Jordan and Will Lee had a band together that was big in Japan, um, called the Twenty Fourth Street Band, and I had produced a record on it. So you know, and then they broke up, and I just hired all of them. Except Cliff, the keyboard player, Cliff Carter, we're still good friends. But you know, I only I only had room for one keyboard player, so I couldn't bring him. Right. And that's where that band came from. Anyway, they all played together, and I knew them all from the recording studios. I was doing uh, 
studio work at the time, you know, as well as SNL, and uh, we all became friends in the studios. Did you, uh, or did you always acknowledge the link between comedy and music? Because uh, I, I, I think that there is a special relationship there. For some reason, there's a lot of comics who want to be musicians, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. You know, I always kind of specialized in it. I loved uh, ever since uh, that Godspell show, Toronto Company '72, and the people that I got to hang out with that cast which we've uh, listed so many times, but it was Martin Short, Andrea Martin, uh, Eugene Levy, uh, Victor Garber, um, and Gilda, the late great Gilda Radner. Well, didn't Ivan Reitman produce that? Ivan Reitman did not produce Godspell. It was a New York producer's, but he became the producer of a show with a Canadian uh, magician in it, uh, Doug Henning, and uh, the magic show, and uh, he would produce it in Canada. It, he was bought out, and uh, well, I guess he remained producer too of uh, the magic show on Broadway, uh, which I got to play for. Coincidentally, there was you know Schwartz, uh, Stephen Schwartz, composer of Godspell. He brought me into the country way back then to That's... play in the magic show. Ivan, you know, had produced it in Canada. That's uh, that's sort of the connection. There. That is everybody such a mythical a production. I mean, mm-hmm. it's everybody talks about that Godspell production. I don't know. It was all the most uh, uh, talented young people in uh, in Toronto. When a show like a New York show would come to town, hair hair preceded it. Mm-hmm. Well, everybody would come out to those open calls, and in the case of Godspell, it was all these talented mm-hmm. people and. You got to hand it to Steve Schwartz, who was in town casting it. The final auditions, he found all these funniest, talented people, uh, and he hired me that day too. I was there accompanying somebody on their audition, and he said, "Who's that piano player?" And hired me that very day to, to conduct wow. the band. And of course, I became fast friends with all those people, and we're all still uh, we all still hang tight today. And that paid dividends when you were on uh, Late Night with David Letterman because you would see these legendary comics come on and they had a connection with you immediately. And you always had a great rapport uh, with all of them. And likewise, Dave seemed to really appreciate your ability to bring in all of these legendary musicians to be a part of the band for night. You know, Warren Zevon memorably sat in so many times, but it wouldn't be just Warren. You know, Bob Weir and Jerry Garcia would sit in for the night. Whoever was there, it wasn't like they would just do a... Uh, you know, one tune. A lot of times, you had guys sitting in all night. It was terrific. Uh, what can I say? Um, it certainly wasn't just me bringing them in. You know, Dave Letterman had a hot show. People uh, were obsessed with it. I heard you say you were. Obsessed. I was. Oh, as a kid, I mean, I I must have watched the fifth anniversary special mm-hmm. a thousand yeah. times. The just wow, bulbs, just shades, and. Uh, you know, that stuff, I just remember my dad laughing un- uncontrollably to it. And uh, it was so much a part of, you know, informing our sense of humor back then. What a sweet memory. I think that's just terrific. <laughs> it, um, it is. It was wonderful to be, I mean, it was so much a part of the culture and um, a real privilege for me to be on that show all those years, 30, 33 years. In 33 years. And the wow. thing is, is that your legitimacy as a musician was... 
you know, only bolstered through the years with the people that would come through there. Jazz greats would sit in with you. You know, legendary uh, session players would come through, and your reverence for them always shone through. And now you're coming to Greensburg, the Palace Theater, just outside of Pittsburgh, on April 2nd with the band, and you put out an album. If you could it, explain what you're doing with the world's most dangerous band and by the way, let me just add, I'm super glad that you have not left that dormant and that uh, you've you've got everybody up and oh, running well, again. Oh, of course. You know, we had a wonderful band. We were together every day for, well, the extended band, 22 years uh, on CBS. So when I got this opportunity to make a record, um, who was I going to call? Are you kidding? You know, this is a band that I was in the trenches with them every day. And we had a little reunion. Uh, we 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 hadn't lost it. We still finished each other's sentences and each other's licks. And the band was um, the record was a lot of fun and pretty easy to make for that reason. You know, mm-hmm. all so comfortable together. And then a lot. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. A wonderful guest artist uh, like Shaggy, Jenny Lewis, Bill Murray himself uh, contributed songs, sang songs on the album, and we sang a little bit ourselves, those of us in the band, and the, the whole thing kind of plays like a like a show on on audio, and then we're going to be doing the real version of, uh, of it when we get over there by you guys, yeah, uh, near near Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And I can't wait to see everybody. And I think, you know, after all these years, this is really where the boys and the men get separated. Yeah. And you go out <laughs> in front of an audience and entertain, right? you know, uh, uh, so that people walk away and say, wow, that was a great show. Well, that's, that is my mandate now. That's what I'm going to be doing. With, but- the, with the World's Most Dangerous Band uh, reunited with the great Valerie Simpson, Soul artist extraordinaire and composer of so many of my favorites, all of our favorites. You know, Mountain High enough. Ain't nothing like the real thing. She's my special guest. Oh, wow. Uh, she'll come out and do a wonderful um, uh, set of her own in the middle of my set, and I can't wait. It's going to be a soul meeting every single night on the road. Can't uh, wait. Are you only going to do songs from this album, or would you be... Um likely to dive into things because i like you know you did warren zevon's original song hit somebody and wrote yeah that. is that out of bounds or i don't know if i would do hit somebody i mean you know i warren when i think about recording that with Warren, hard to do that 
Uh, but certainly, you know, going to be doing the, what, the, the songs of the album that work, you know. Mm-hmm. The ones that I sing, the ones that Felicia and Will sings, you know, we'll be doing those. Right. Uh, Valerie sings a song in the album, so of course we get to do that. And the rest of it is going to be, uh, well, just stuff that knocks us out. Tribute to the great James Brown, How Can You Not, you know. Um, a tribute to the great Michael Jackson. Uh, and, and stories, you know, I, I, all these years I've, I've collected a whole bunch of stories, meeting these people, you know, mm-hmm. getting to work with James Brown, stuff like that. Yeah. Time I met Michael Jackson. There's a lot of stories I'll be telling. I'm, I'm fully loaded and ready to go, you know, <laughs> and if I can, if I can pay off a story with a song in the show, so much the better. That's, and that's what the show's going to be. Yeah. Will re- you be doing the theme song from Jaws? <laughs> well, you know, again, who but Bill Murray could possibly do that? That was a song. He used to just do that and never had a, had a place to do it in public. We used to do it in writers' meetings. It's like, Jaws! <laughs> you goddamn Jaws! So when it came time to do that, he was going to be on that 40th anniversary SNL, you know. Yeah. If you were ever going to do Jaws, this is the time. <laughs> I read that you and he got together in a hotel room or somebody's place in New York to to write that for the SNL 40th, and he just rolled a joint, and you guys got to work, and and there was one or two writers in the room, and you just knocked it out right there. I think uh, that reminds me of what he said in the book, the SNL book, about, uh, that's right, about his appearance. Putting it together, the old team got back together. Uh, Tom Davis, uh, Ackroyd, everybody was at my apartment, actually. And, uh, you know, we got back into the old groove and, and put that together. And once again, you know, this was his appearance not on the 40s, but on the 25th, I think. Oh, okay. That's what I was trying to say. Yeah, that's the confusion. When he did, he opened up the 25th doing Nick, and he was working at an Indian casino. Uh, yes. Cold opening in 25. Yeah, that's the one that we wrote in my apartment. And then Jaws, oh, he was coming in from a, a golf tournament or something the same day of the show. He arrived at about 5 p.m. And we met in an office and, uh, and threw that one together. And that's why he, when he started to sing, he was about an octave and a half higher than he was in the <laughs> rehearsal. Uh, but, you know, you just go with it. That, that's that magic of live TV. Well, I can't wait to see this show. It's uh, April 2nd, Sunday night, uh, Greensburg's Palace Theater. Go to palacetheater.org for tickets. Paul Schaefer with the uh, World's Most Dangerous Band. Did you run this by Dave Letterman before you did it? Like, Or did you just let him know, like, hey, I'm thinking about do this, doing this? Did you need his blessing to do this? Well, you know, uh, I don't really, of course, because the 33 years is over and we, we remain good friends. But for some reason, yes, I still do have that feeling that I better give him a call and tell him what I'm doing. And absolutely, I did. And he absolutely gave his blessing. And, and you know, he had named us way back in the day, the world's most dangerous band. Mm-hmm. He used to say that. He said, I got it from the world of wrestling. And uh, <laughs> then we had the, the, the name, even the name of our band got caught up in those late show wars. And we couldn't bring the band, That's the right. name with us for That's the right. band when we went to CBS. So we became the CBS Orchestra, but now we have reclaimed the name. I said, my manager said, there's nobody at NBC who even remembers the Late Show Wars. And uh, they said, oh, of course, use the name. We don't care. So we're back with that iconic name, uh, which Dave gave us. 
And he has been very supportive of me and this band ever since he hired us way back then. Well, he heard every note we play. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, very, and he was always so, uh, he was so, um, you know, um, he was behind us. He was in our corner, all, yeah. always encouraging. It was fantastic. Well, he always talked about his relationship with you and how important you were dynamically for him on the show to have that comedic relationship on stage and how necessary that was in the throes of improvising. Pretty nice of him to say that. I don't know, you know. Uh, obviously, uh, he was destined to do great things, and I was very lucky to be along for the ride. And, uh, you know, I learned how to how to be a little bit funny from my friends up in Toronto. And, uh, you know, I, uh, I used to be able to make Dave laugh. And he made me laugh every night. Sometimes I could even make him laugh. So it sure was. It was a fantastic uh, relationship uh, on and off camera. Well, I greatly appreciate you spending so much time with us this morning. Like I said, I, you know, uh, I grew up with David Letterman and the late uh, late night with David Letterman, and uh, you are always uh, one of my favorites, and I can't wait to see this show on April 2nd. So thanks so much. Paul Schaefer and the world's most dangerous band coming to Greensburg on April 2nd, and we'll see you then. Paul, thanks again. It was an, an honor to uh, speak with you this morning. Fun to be with you this morning, and I hope to see you uh, on April 2nd. All right, man. We'll do. We'll see you. That's Paul Schaefer. Legend. Yeah, he's a legend for so many reasons. I wonder if he misses being on on TV, like specifically <laughs> since January 20th. Uh, well, yeah, Letterman does. You know, he gave that interview recently where he talked about it and how he wished he was on television. Um, and he took to task some of the people who are who yeah. weren't doing the job he thought they should. And I thought that was fair. Totally fair. All right, I went way over, but that was Paul Schaefer. You oh, know, no, that to, was that was excellent. Worth it. That was yeah, excellent. That was a great interview, a man. Bit, right? And me... isn't amazing his memory? I mean, he's you're, you're talking about things that are decades ago, yeah. and he's naming every single person. That's impressive. No doubt. And I'm sure he was impressed and appreciated your knowledge of the subject, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, names. I'm, I'm one of You're a great interviewer. Millions. You are. That's and nice I'm not being obsequious. You really yeah, are. I, I'm going to look that up and make sure that you're not making fun of me. <laughs> I said From it the oxygen temporal scan. Oh, my microphone dropped off the flipping stand. That never happens, I swear. Mike Pursuta with sports right now on the DV Morning Show. What's going on? Sports is brought to you by Get-Go. The Penguins in Ottawa tonight to take on the Senators. West Virginia battles Gonzaga in the Sweet 16. But the big story this morning is the Team USA 8-0 victory over Puerto Rico to win the World Baseball Classic. And not just the U.S. winning its first World Baseball Classic, Randall, but a big story before the big story was skipper Jim Leland, you know, motiv- motivational genius that he is. Right. And the game's being in L.A., he decided to bring in a bunch of famous actors, living and dead, to recreate uh, some of their most famous roles to motivate Team USA. Here's what it sounded like in the locker room before the U.S. beat Puerto Rico 8 to nothing. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time because the very thought of losing is hateful to America. If we don't come together... Right now, on this hollow ground, we too will be destroyed. We can stay here, get the kicked out of us, or we can fight our way back into the light. You take their game and you shove it right back in their face. The rest of the world is afraid of them. 
boys, we won't be. Do you solemnly swear to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic? So help you God. I do. And make no mistake about it, gentlemen, we are in the business of winning. I've always shown you are soldiers, not only to defend, but able and willing both to defend and protect. You've already won. And I trust in the future by your deeds in the field and by the assistance of the same kind providence who has hitherto favored our cause, you will win more victories and add luster to the reputation you now enjoy. Sometime when the team is up against it and the brakes are beating the boys, tell them to go out there with all they got and win just one for the Gipper. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it. All right. I think we got and it. And struck Mike, the Philistine I, I, on the head. Word for it. All right. And he fell to the ground. Amen. Amen. I love you guys. All right. Yes. How could they lose? Puerto Rico was done right there. Oh. Done right there. You really had a little magical little make-believe wonderland this morning going on. I did. I'm, I'm like. That was, uh, people know this, I'm sure, but there might be one or two people that didn't know that that was Patton. Remember the Titans, any given Sunday, miracle, Mr. Smith goes to Washington, Friday Night Lights, Gods and Generals, Newt Rockney All-American, and Hoosiers. I love you guys. Well done. Stan the Man Savern. Live in studio with us when we return from this quick break on DVE. He's from here. DVE Morning Show. Stan Savern joining us right now. Stan the Man Savern. Along Sally Wigan in studio too. I always like having uh, the two of you together in the studio because it's, uh, you know, it don't get much more Pittsburgh than that. You're a matchmaker. You're like the head of modern matchmaker. That's how I roll. (laughs) Venerablebroadcasters.com. She hated it. I called her venerable earlier, didn't and she it, thought that just meant old. It doesn't. I didn't hate it. Respected, wise. I was wrong. Experienced. And, and, and whenever you are right and I am wrong, I always bow to your inimitable wisdom. I. She thought you said venereal. So that's, <laughs> that's why she took offense. <laughs> yeah, no, that would, I could see why she yeah, might have been I, upset about that. That makes perfect sense to me. Stan, the NFL is putting out a video to teach uh, players how to celebrate in the end zone. That ought not to be completely hysterically corny and out of touch. Why do they feel the need to harp on this incessantly as if it's a... a, uh, something that's destroying the game? Do they really believe that people don't want to see their superstars celebrate? They're in the midst of the kumbaya moment. Uh, Roger Goodell was on the Mike and Mike show this morning, and they're doing other things in addition to this video. I mean, uh, I'm going to assume that humping the goalpost is going to be on the don't list. (laughs) Don't do that uh, for your own well-being. Right. Uh, But they're also making some changes. They did a lot, apparently a lot of surveys. Uh, it's not the length of the games, it's the pace of the games they're worried about, people complain about. And so what they're doing is um, they are removing some commercial breaks from the game. I think mm-hmm. they said there's something like 16 now 
um, in the four quarters I'm talking about, and they're going to reduce that. What they will do is add 30 seconds to each break. But most fans complain about the amount of breaks. Touchdown, break. Extra point, break. Kickoff, break. Uh, and so they're going to reduce the number right. of commercial. The commercial minutes are not going to be reduced. I mean, forget about that. That's never going to happen. The networks pay too much money. But they are going to reduce the number of breaks. People don't complain about the length of the breaks, but the, the number of them. So that's, you know, something they're uh, they're thinking about They're going to double box them, too, when they do instant replay. Or not instant, when they do uh, replay play challenges. They'll go to a commercial, but then keep a box in the lower corner right. of the screen. And they're also going to do something. Again, this is for the fans of the stadium. And I, I found it very interesting um, that years ago, what they tried to do was replicate what happened in the stadium on TV. Now they're trying to replicate what happens on TV in the stadium. <laughs> you know, people, you know, they're, they're, you know they're, they're not used to waiting for anything because they have instantaneous uh, access. What they're also going to do now, rather than wait for the commercial break to be over, if they've made a decision on a challenge, they will announce it to the crowd instead of making the people sit there and wait. In other words, if, if they've come to a decision, say, 40 seconds into the challenge, uh, they always have to wait for the you know two minutes to be up, but as soon as they get the decision, they're going to announce it to the people in the stadium. I'm going to assume they'll tape that and then you know run it back when they get back from TV. So that speeds things up uh, a little bit. And they're also they're they're still going to allow the referees to take part, but they're not going to have to trot all the way over to the sideline. The decisions on all challenges will not be made uh, from Big Brother in New York. Now, they want the referee's yeah. input, but apparently they're going to wheel the monitor out to him on the sideline. Tablet. Or tablet, you know, whatever they have there. And, um, and, and so that will speed up the replay because they don't have to wait for the referee to get all the way over there and before they even start the process. The process actually will be conducted or begun in New York. So, you know, they're trying to, again, not shorten the games, but – yeah. Increase the pace. So uh, let me ask and you. And the this. video, yeah, I do not. Uh, they're going to find the. I they're don't trying find, to pat Boone this. Yeah, uh, Anita Bryant. <laughs> uh, that's an old old oh, reference. Yeah, no. right, there's um, a great Buddy Hacky Buddy Hackett joke about Anita Bryant. Yeah, uh, I don't mind the celebration. I mean, I do think there's a line. The question is, where is the line and who draws it? That's the issue. I mean, I you know when they had the orchestrated one, I remember you know the Redskins had the fun bunch, and it was actually funny. Now some of the things that To would do, not funny. Right. Um, you know Joe Horn, you know pulling uh, you know a cell phone you know out of his uniform or whatever he it was, it like, and, and To pulling a sharpie, sharpie out of there. Yeah. Pay attention to the game, please. Uh, but I, I you know I'm old school, but I. Billy White Shoes Johnson was great. Yes, he was. The icky shuffle. But they were harping on him back then, too. He had to do that on the sidelines after a while. Well, the first guy to do this is a good story, I think, anyway. Uh, We'll we'll notice by the number of clicks in in radio world. Um, The first guy actually to celebrate was a wide receiver out of the University of Houston named Elmo Wright. Elmo was actually a pretty decent player. He got drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs, and he was may have even predated White Shoes Johnson. Whenever he would score a touchdown, he'd do this dance in the end zone. Of course, back in those days, it was totally unheard of. You didn't right. do that. So he comes to Kansas City his rookie year, 
and they're playing the Chicago Bears exhibition game. And Elmo catches a touchdown pass, and he goes into his dance, and his back is to the field. He's facing the stands. Dick Butkus is playing for the Bears. He's cruising about the 15-yard line, sees Elmo (laughs) go into his routine, speeds up to full speed, and like in Animal House, ramming speed! (laughs) And he nails Elmo in the back, and Elmo is out for quite some time. That was Dick Butkus' reaction to the first touchdown dance in the NFL. Is Colin Kaepernick being unfairly castigated because of political views, or is he being looked over because he's not a great quarterback? I would say more the latter. Uh, you know, NFL owners are always looking to avoid distractions of any kind. Kaepernick has already said that he will stand for the national anthem. He's already donated you know a lot of money to various groups. Um, this may be an unpopular view. He's entitled. I think the only thing that Colin Kaepernick did wrong by doing protesting the way he protested. He drew attention to himself and not his cause. The cause is completely, in my view, justifiable, uh, especially from someone of that background. He had, I know- he had so much trouble articulating that, though, and yep. even trying to define the tenets of the cause he was standing up for. I mean, That's I think his inauthentic- his inauthenticity was as much of the issue as anything. Undoubtedly. I mean, he, again, he there were other ways he could have protested. And by the way, he wasn't the first to do that. There was a guard who played for the Denver Nuggets named Abdur Rahim Raouf. I think is, is, is yes. he played at LSU. I think his name was uh, Chris Chris Jackson. Jackson, yeah. I think, and he he sat on the bench during the national anthem, and it draws some protests. Um, but it came and went, and that was the end of that. And he had uh, Tourette. Probably need a higher profile team than the Denver Nuggets to yeah get your. He did have Tourette syndrome. You're yeah. right, Randy. Good yeah. memory. Uh, and, you know, again, Kaepernick, and, and I think the way a lot of NFL players reacted to that in support, but, again, they were detracting. Uh, again, to me, the message they were trying to send was fine, but they sent it in the wrong way. I think Colin Kaepernick, at best, is a backup quarterback. He does present a threat because of ability to run. It makes you wonder how, maybe it was Jim Harbaugh, may, how, how did he have such a successful season and get his team to the Super Bowl? I mean, he, he was terrific that year. What's happened, I don't know. <clears throat> but I, I certainly look around at some of the backup quarterbacks in the NFL, and they stink. It's hard Is for Colin me to believe Kaepernick's that they're better all than Landry better Jones? than Colin Kaepernick. Think he, Landry Jones is better than Colin Kaepernick? I don't think he'd fit in this system. No, it would be a changeup. So, so, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't know. I think he's got to go yeah. to the right system in order to be successful. But I do, I, no question in my mind, that his social stances do have an effect on whether teams are willing to hire him. Howard yeah. uh, are... made a good point about that. He talked about franchise quarterbacks. You either are or you are not. And if you are not, who cares? Like, one's as good as another. So why take a guy that's a potential pain in the ass when you can get another guy that's just as mediocre that you know is going to not be a pain in the right. ass? Right. And yet all his teammates love the guy. They said he was not a distraction. Well, you know, they the teammates may say it, but the the owners and the GMs will think that it is a distraction, and they want to limit distraction. So I, I I think that for some people, for some of the ownership, 
that it, it may rub them the wrong way from, from a social perspective. But I think, honestly, the word distraction, they just don't want a distraction. Well, as he shows up at any training camp, everybody's going to be talking to him about it. Not exactly. that he did last year. Exactly. Um, although I also think that ownership and, and coaches, general managers, are paranoid when it comes to distractions. I mean, they, they, this is going to be a big distraction. Exactly. And most of the time, no. it's not. The Rooney signed Mike Vick. Hey, uh, who do you have uh, coming up on the show today? Uh, Colby Armstrong. Hey, Colby! The Arm Dog is going to be on today at 1230. Mark Madden will be on at 130. And I'm also going to propose what I think is a radical change to the Pirate lineup and maybe a radical change to the World Baseball Classic, which Tune I don't in. care about. But I might if they make this change. Tune in. Stan Savern, ESPN Radio 970-1063 FM. Special thanks to Matt Light for stopping by today. He's at the Improv tonight. Go check him out, uh, along with Ray Zawadney. Also, thanks to Paul Schaefer. Late Night with David Letterman, band leader, is coming to town. Palace Theater on April 2nd. It was a real privilege, uh, fun to talk with him. I was a huge, huge fan. Thunder Bay. Is he a Thunder Bay, Ontario? Guy? Yeah, home of, the, home of the Stahl Brothers. Yeah. Every, it seems like a lot of people are from Thunder Bay, Ontario. Actually, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> they all there, are, there are not. There just aren't that many people there. So everybody left. who's there is famous. They're all in the NHL or playing in a band. Tomorrow on the show, uh, Ashley Doherty will be filling in for Val and uh, semi-supervillains in the coffee house. And uh, special thanks to Sally Wigan for coming in and filling in for Val the last couple of days. And um, My pleasure. Yeah, you... Uh, you provided us with some great news and also some great content in general. Mama, 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 mama. Oh, I love it. It's going to be on my tombstone. Trust me. No, no. Mama, 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 mama. What was she doing? can't come soon enough. <laughs> it's like a death rattle. Oh, mama, 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 mama. <laughs> I got one more before you go. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.